Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Sophie here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about a very special bonus episode, which will drop today, where we get into all of the dirty details you didn't know you could ask about sex between two women. Follow the link in our show notes to listen. I have never experienced that safety before. Yeah, it felt like home. Hi, and welcome to Her with me, Sophie Keisha. Mamma Mia's podcast, which explores what happens when you unexpectedly discover you're attracted to women. Sarah was in a 20-year marriage with three kids when one day a light bulb went off. I think I'm gay. I was so happy. I was actually quite relieved, thinking there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just gay. The marriage was one filled with abuse and turbulence, and after making a decision to leave, everything suddenly started to make sense. It was astounding how differently I saw the world. On one hand, I was, wow, this is so amazing, but I also had this joy and I didn't know what to do with it. Now in her 50s, the writer and mother has begun coming out to those around her. She tells us all about the hurt her sexuality has caused, how her coming out journey hasn't always been smooth sailing, but why she would do it all over again to find herself. For the first time in my life, I had no clue what the hell I was doing. I had no idea what was coming next. And that kind of excited me. She is now dating a woman for the first time and she joins us to give a raw and honest account of the other side of what can happen when you finally meet her. Heads up, this episode does include some descriptions of sexual assault and domestic violence that may be distressing to some listeners. If this raises any issues for you or you just feel like you need to speak to someone, please call 1-800-RESPECT. That's 1-800-737-732. Okay, Sarah, so I like to start off all of my interviews with the same question. When did you first meet her? It was about four years ago, I think, now, and kind of happened abruptly where I was in a 19-year marriage which disintegrated and the first person I came out to was my ex-husband, which in hindsight was the worst thing I could have done. But it happened in a moment right after I rejected sex with him and he stormed out of the room and I had that light bulb moment. I was so happy. I was actually quite relieved thinking there's nothing wrong with me I'm just gay. And I followed him out and I sat down, had a conversation with him. And as I was talking with him, I said the, uh, oh, in my head, because I just saw the horror in his face, the pain. 
And I think I'll never forget that he left. He got drunk, came home, and he told me he could fix it. And what I know now as rape, he tried to rape me. And later on, my therapist, you know, explained to me that was rape, which I didn't really know what rape was. And all this happened with not even having one experience with a woman. I just knew. And same as when I came out to a couple of close friends, like, ah, babe, it's a phase. You get over it. And plus, you've never had an experience with anybody. And I said, that's what makes it more definitive for me, that I haven't had an experience and it's something that I'm wanting, that I'm resonating with. But yeah, that's how I met her. I think it's really interesting what you touched on then, because I know a lot of other women have experienced it. I know I did. It's being in a position of, I'm not sure what I am, but I know I'm not that. Yes. And I feel like you really experienced that, unfortunately, in such a traumatic way. And I'm very sorry you went through that. Can we just revisit how it felt for you watching that horror on his face? So he was angry at that revelation of your feelings. It's indescribable. And being such an empathetic person, I immediately absorbed his energy and his pain. And that's something that I still deal with to this day. And it was not very pretty after that. And it hasn't been, and I don't think it ever will be. I have to put myself first. You know, for the first time in my life, I had to put myself first at whatever cost. And it did cost me a great shit ton And it still is. It still does, right? It's a karmic debt that I'm still paying, but it is what it is. I can certainly relate to your story where your feelings go in this direction and there's this misunderstanding that you're just like, oh, well, that's it. Bye. I'm done. And it's not. You live with this pain and this guilt because it's not really a choice you made whilst it's following, you know, the message that we're all taught to do is to be who you are, love yourself, put yourself first when you do that. But you do live with that guilt, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, that, you know, love yourself mantra is just thrown around so easily. And it really is not easy at all. I guess it's a fluctuation, isn't it? You have moments where you do absolutely love yourself and there are moments where you can't even look in the mirror. Over the years, it's something that I've learned to embrace rather than deny Can we go back to your early years and what did dating look like for you? Was it very straightforward with your sexuality? No, not at all. No, I'm from a European background. I'm first generation and dating for me was non-existent. I had very strict upbringing. You didn't bring any boys home until you were going to get married, basically. You had a job, you found a man, you build this home, you have children and you have a family. And I towed that line really, really well. I was a reluctant golden child of the family. I still am to this day, which I really, really hate. Little do they know that they have a rainbow child. (laughs) So there were never any inklings towards women during your teenage years or early 20s? I know that there was something different about me, even in my early teens. And I could never put my finger on it because I think I buried that side of me so deep and so well and concreted that I even had no idea. And I sort of explored feelings within myself in my late teens and I would only get off on women, you know, when I masturbated. 
I just never thought anything of it. I thought, oh, everyone must do this. Every woman must do this. It's okay. And I never questioned it. I never thought it was me being gay. It just, you know, it happens and then you just move on and go on with your life. I'd like to talk a little bit about your marriage because you did touch on then it was very straightforward. You didn't really date. You dated to get married, to become a family and do all of that. So talk us through sort of the dynamic of your marriage in those early years. Look, I thought I found the love of my life and, you know, you get caught up in having children. I had three children and I'm just so blessed and I love my kids as all mothers do. There was always a thorn in my side. And I never understood it and I never explored it. Sex was always vanilla. I was okay with that. I think this is what I'm given, so I'll deal with it and you just deal with it. I didn't feel very sexual at all and he thought that I had a problem. I put it down to the fact that I had three children, I was running a household, I work. Deep down I knew something was missing. Something just didn't add up. It just didn't feel normal. Obviously, I rejected him a lot of times sexually and he thought, you need to go and see a sex therapist or something. Did you believe that something was maybe wrong with you as well? Absolutely. I thought, this is shit. I can't be like this. I can't not enjoy a healthy, varied sexual life, but I didn't. It just didn't dawn on me that I was gay at all. No, it didn't even come into the equation. So at the start of this chat, we talked about that experience of rejecting sex and realising there's that light bulb moment, I must be gay. Let's talk through that realisation. Was there a woman that you met after that or was there a first experience? Did you find after that realisation your attraction to women sort of out in society grew? Once that light bulb turned on, so did everything else. It was astounding how differently I saw the world. On one hand, I was, wow, this is so amazing. This is so amazing. You know, I laughed and I cried and I had just terror inside of me. But I also had this joy and I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't have any gay friends. Being a big advocate for mental well-being, I went to a therapist. With the therapy, did you find that your feelings were reassured, that what you were feeling was totally normal and that like you were told, you didn't actually have a problem? Yeah, that was really difficult to hear. There were a lot of tears. We both cried, I think, every session. I had a lot of internalised homophobia. I still do to some extent. And I couldn't say gay for a very long time. I couldn't say I'm gay for a very long time. And a few sessions in, I think I was just having a talk about something and I said I'm gay and And she said, can we have a pause for a minute? Do you know what you just said? And, of course, the tears. It took me a long time to get my head around that. I really didn't know what was happening. I really didn't know what to expect. I tried to come into this with as little judgment as possible. I mean, not having any experiences at all with anybody, what life would be like after this fact. And the irony is that before my light bulb moment, everything was so structured. I had an answer to everything. I was the go-to person to fix things. Now I was a mum of three and 
I had all my shit together and, you know, everything was great. And for the first time in my life, I had no clue what the hell I was doing. I had no idea what was coming next. And that kind of excited me. I kind of free fell into it. But it petrifies you at the same time, right? I was shitting a brick, yeah. Yep. So let's talk about what it was like for you to go through those first experiences with women and having that fear but also having that heart and that desire. I didn't know where to start. You know, I was in a marriage for 19 years and I was completely faithful so I never had any indiscretions and I hadn't dated in over 20 years. So I had no idea. A very close friend of mine said, that's it. I'm taking you to a gay bar and you're going to kiss a girl tonight. <laughs> okay, let's do this. And, you know, we went and we had a few drinks. And then towards the end of the night, it happened. Someone in her 20s, it was absolutely gorgeous, and we kissed. And I will never forget that moment. I don't know who she is. I never got her name, which is probably a good thing. But I just cannot get over how soft she felt and how mellow she tasted. And so how did it feel inside? So the physical side of it was beautiful. A woman's face is soft and they're gentle. They smell nice. But how did it feel for you inside to finally take that plunge? I said, yeah, I'm gay as fuck. <laughs> there was no denying it, you know. I sort of did question, was I bi? And so, oh, no, I'm gay as, gay as they come, gay as the heels. So, yeah, it was no turning back for me. and It's something that I wanted more of. So I went online, online dating. What did you find the biggest difference initially? And again, it's hard. You said you hadn't dated for 20 years, so it is hard to compare the two. But were there any stark differences that you found immediately from dating women that were different from what you'd ever known? It was just so easy. It was really easy. We didn't even have to have dialogue and there was this knowing between the both of us, whoever I dated. It was just comfortable. It, it felt safe. I have never experienced that safety before. Yeah, it felt like home. I often use the line, there is such a relatability between women when you're sitting across the table or if you're in the bedroom and you instantly do feel calm. Absolutely. I just didn't feel threatened. I didn't feel sexualized. My guard went down a little. What's the biggest difference you think between who you were prior to discovering her? and who you are now? I think one of the biggest differences is how I see the world now, how I see myself, how less angry I am, how more accepting and forgiving and compassionate I am towards myself, first of all, and then to others. And despite everything crashing down around me, and in a literal sense it did, I did experience financial abuse in the relationship, and that's why I ended it, just for the record, I didn't leave him because I was gay. I left him because of a whole range of other reasons. Have you found on that that it is very easy for people to say, oh, well, she left because she's gay without actually knowing anything that happens behind closed doors? Were you sort of almost tarnished with that? She left because she was gay? Oh, my God. Yes, definitely. My own sister, who I thought would be okay with it, she took his side and how dare you do this to him? How dare you split your family up? And you can't tell mum and dad this will send them to an early grave. And I didn't talk to her for months. That was one of the biggest 
pains that I had was that rejection from my sibling, who I thought would be supportive. We're great now. She's actually my biggest ally. She was the one pushing me to go out and date. So yeah, it's really good now. Were there other fractures in your relationships around you with friends and family? Yeah, look, I did lose a couple of friends. I'm quite an aware person and I knew that that would happen. And I just had to let people go. And that's okay. This is something that I had to get through, not them. That's a great way to put it. It actually follows on to my next question is if there's anything you'd like listeners to take away from your experience in this conversation, perhaps they're in a similar situation to you, what would that be? So I realized to understand my sexuality meant to understand growth, another opportunity for me to grow. And, you know, growth is not biased it doesn't know if you're gay straight black or white so growth is growth yeah and it's uncomfortable in so many ways it can hurt you and unfortunately people around you and it's dark at times I'm not gonna lie but that's where the nucleus of growth happens doesn't it in that darkness so when I was in a dark space and it was dark for a very long time I had to make a conscious choice Do I let this consume me or do I let this teach me? And once I got my head around that sort of way of thinking, that perspective, it did teach me. And what I learned from that is it it hurt. And then I allowed that hurt. I sat with that pain. I actually invited that pain in like a friend. And the depression, the anxiety, that psychological diagnosis all fell apart. It disintegrated. And through it all, I do highly recommend that you find a good therapist. So with that growth thing, you know, it's not pretty, but we don't stop loving a rose because of its thorns. You just made me really emotional then talking about that growth because I know how hard it is. And I know how, oh God, I'm going to cry now. I know how scary it is. No, it was really beautiful what you just said. Like, Yeah, but it just, you really hit a nerve there because we're constantly encouraged to grow in life. But then when you do it, it comes with consequences as well. And it is hard. And everyone talks about the positives of growth and, you know, the sunny side of growth, but not a lot of people talk about the dark parts of growth that come with it. So thank you so much for sharing that. I want to ask you, what is your favorite thing that a woman can do for you? My favourite thing that a woman can do for me is to see my soul and to hold it. It's just to be seen, isn't it? It's to be seen and to be held. I mean, we all say, yeah, everyone wants to be seen, but I think people need to be seen and to be held in that spot. Mm -hmm. Not just physically, mentally, emotionally. Spiritually, you know, a billion-year-old hug. People need to be seen and held. So I would really love to hear about where you are at now in your life. Well, right now, I'm in a really good space. I just celebrated two years with my partner and I feel like I've known her my whole life and a few other lifetimes. So it's been amazing and I'm smiling. (laughs) I don't have to shave my legs every time I see her and I don't have to pluck my eyebrows Every time I see her, it doesn't matter. And, you know, I can be wearing a shitty singlet with no bra on, jockeys. It doesn't matter. You know, we can just be. I've never had a relationship where I could just be. 
I would never change my journey. That would be the biggest injustice to my spirit. And my only regret is that I didn't do this sooner. But it's okay. I'm here now. And, you know, I'm embracing everything that comes along. I'm giving myself permission to be fucking happy. You all would have heard that I did get quite emotional in there. And I certainly know that some of the topics that Sarah spoke about then are so relatable to us as women who have gone through a similar journey. And I truly hope that there is a large group of you out there who got as much from that interview as I know I did. We shared some really positive experiences over this journey. And I do know that a lot of my followers and my readers think, oh, it's been a smooth sail for Sophie. That's certainly not the case. And that's why that last interview with Sarah, I really hope can give an insight into how personally challenging it is to experience this. And that's not to say that we are deflecting away from the pain and the trouble and the confusion that we know it has caused our perhaps previous partners, our families, our friends, but how important it is to note that growth is challenging and growth is scary. So would I do it all over again? Absolutely. I'm so happy where I am in my life right now. Most importantly, I'm so happy with who I am. This has been my first ever podcast series and it was one that I wanted to do with purpose and I know that we have succeeded in doing that. Thank you so much for joining me. If you have liked this podcast, I know that you will love my next book, Then There Was You, and it is available on pre-sale now. You guys can head to my Instagram to find the link, but there is also a link in the show notes of this podcast. If you want unlimited access to her in a special bonus for this episode, I'm joined by sex columnist Nadia Bockety to answer all of your questions about the signs to look out for when a woman is into you. Take a little listen to this teaser. I straight away go that eye contact. If you hold an eye contact stare with someone across a bar on a dance floor for like two, three, four seconds, she's interested in you. What do you reckon, Nadia? I guess you can always drop some coded questions into the conversation like, so do you like Taylor Swift? Do you drink iced oat milk lattes? <laughs> There's a link to listen at the top of the show notes. See you soon.